The Impact Accelerator is a research and grant development office in the College of Education, Criminal Justice, Human Services, and Information Technology at the University of Cincinnati. The department was designed to assist faculty, staff, and students in applying for and receiving external funding dollars. Funded without really trying, where we put the fun in funding. My name is Krista, a graduate student in the Impact Accelerator. And my name is Emma Denblaker, a research associate in the Impact Accelerator. And welcome to our Grants 101 Across the Fundingverse series. This is going to be a series here on the podcast where we'll be going through and breaking down various sections commonly found or asked for in grant proposals, and we'll probably touch on some post award pieces as well. We'll guide you through things like how to find funding how to structure a budget, and how to advertise your broader impacts, just to name a few. In this first episode, we're going to go over some grant proposal basics, things like what a grant is and why they're useful, a brief touch on how to find funding, the importance of collaboration, and things to do to prep, write, and finalize your proposal. This information will by no means be a final end-all be-all list of things to do, but it should give you a good starting point for your grant journey. start off with what a grant is exactly. A grant is any way for a government, foundation, some sort of sponsor to fund your ideas and projects. Generally, funders at all levels will have certain areas that they identify as needing to have more research or that they are specifically very interested in. And so they will put out some form of call to try and find individuals or different entities who can do that research and that they can fund. So generally a grant is some sort of call to action and it's also a compelling or persuasive or well-supported argument for change. So even though certain funders will put out different grant calls, why is it that certain individuals or entities specifically go and write grant proposals? Basically, Um, There are a lot of different ways, but some might be to follow your passion. Maybe there's some sort of topic or research area that you're very passionate about and you want to find some sort of funding to be able to provide you money to be able to go and follow your passion or to achieve some personal and or professional goals for Individuals who are faculty or staff in academia, there may be some requirement that you are bringing in some sort of funding. And so you need to go out and apply for grant proposals and hopefully get awarded. Or maybe there's something that you are just trying to find something new. Maybe there's a topic area that you kind of are interested in but haven't really done much work in. And so you are seeking out funding to hopefully provide you some sort of resources to be able to go and look into that area. So where to start? Our whole thing about this episode is basically going to take you from very briefly start to finish of your grant proposal process. So where to start? Start within your organization. There are a lot of different organizations that actually have internal grant systems and so they will do internal grants like here at the University of Cincinnati 
we have an office of research and our provost also puts out different grant calls. Um, there might also be a specific grant person or grant office within your organization that has information on what grants are available, where you can find grants. And then also within your organization, you want to see if there is a specific process that is in place, policies that are in place that you have to go through in order to start the kind of grant writing, prepping, proposal process. Then you want to identify your funding goals. Is there a specific process or a project or research that you're trying to fund that will a lot of times dictate who you're going to to get funding? Or is it something that you are trying to fund some sort of training or professional development that will also dictate who you are looking to for funding? Our biggest tip is going to be start looking early. Grants kind of go in cycles or waves, so they will ebb and flow where there's periods where there's a bunch of grants available and then there are periods where it's kind of almost dead. There's nothing out there. So if you start looking early, you can start to set up a process and a timeline for yourself so that you're not rushing and finding a grant at the last minute and having to try and turn it around really quickly. When you're looking for funding, we have quite a few questions that you want to keep in mind. First, what is your project's design, timeline, and impact? These are going to dictate who you are going to for funding. I've said it multiple times already, but there are a lot of specific pieces that will kind of dictate who you can go to for funding. Um, some fund, well, a lot of funders have particular eligibility criteria in order to be able to even um, be eligible to apply for a grant, specific things that they are willing to fund, even though... For example, say a funder wants says they want to fund in education, there may be specific pieces within education that they are not willing to. So you want to keep that in mind. Timeline, not only timeline in terms of how much time you have to turn around the grant and your capacity, but also should that grant be awarded to you, what is your timeline for being able to do the work and get some sort of report or something back to the funder? And then impact. Is this going to be something, like is your project specifically going to impact a certain small region or could this be something that could be replicable across maybe say the United States? That once again is going to be very funder specifics. There are some funders who only focus on say we fund in the Midwest whereas there are funders who also fund no matter where you are around the world. Another question, what is the important problem, question, or need your project addresses? How is your project different than other projects? And how is that going to affect who you're going to for funding? Is it unique? Is it innovative? Because funders don't want to provide funding and money and resources and put this time and effort behind something that's already been done time and time again because then we're not changing whatever project they have identified. Um, another question, does the budget match the project requirements? Your budget is going to be a very big piece. We're not really going to touch on it in this episode, but we will within this series have a very budget specific episode. So you need to make sure that your budget is going to match your project requirements. If your project requires a lot of stuff and you are only going for funding that is not going to cover that, you're going to have to think of ways to find funding in other places. Make sure that you are able to 
kind of manage the amount of money that you're getting. If you work in a very small office that maybe doesn't have a large capacity to handle multi-million dollar grants, you want to think about that beforehand. It may seem like a great idea to go for a million dollar grant, say that you were awarded a million dollar grant, but if you don't have the capacity to handle that, you're going to run into a lot of big problems. So your budget is extremely important and you want to take quite a bit of time to really think about that. And then lastly, once again, by no means is this an exhaustive list, but is your project sustainable after the funding you seek, um, you're seeking ends? So what are the plans for sustainability for this project? And by sustainability, we mean how is your project going to continue after the funding that you have been awarded runs out? Funders want to see that you have thought about the long-term impacts and the long-term things that go into your project. There are some funding lines or funders that are only seeking to fund something for a short period of time and then they may not really too much care about what happens after the funding runs out. But for the most part, like NSF, they ask for a sustainability plan. How are you planning to continue this work after the money that we have given you runs out? And then lastly, in this very brief kind of funding specific section. Know that there are different types of funders. I just mentioned NSF, which is a big federal funder, and a lot of people want to go for federal grants, but also realize that there are funding at all various levels. So there's public funding, which is kind of done by state and federal government, and then there's also private corporations or foundations. Think of like, first thing that always pops into my head is Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They are a private entity that is providing money to um, certain grant grantees. Um, So there is funding at your local level. There's likely funding in your local city. There's funding at the state level where the state is providing funding. And then there's funding at the federal level, which is different federal entities are providing funding. And so don't just silo yourself into, I want to go for a federal grant. Think about the fact that there are also local level and state level funding opportunities. All right, so now we're going to switch gears and talk about collaborative proposals. Um, So here at the Impact Accelerator, we love collaborative proposals. They are a great way to strengthen your proposal and make it more competitive. We are increasingly seeing funders um, encouraging or specifically asking for collaborative proposals. Um, So that could be collaboration within or across departments, um, across schools or colleges within, if you're in a university settings or across um, other universities and organizations. A big piece to building collaborations for your grant proposal is to work on finding and building those partnerships prior to drafting the funding proposal. So we know that relationship building takes time and effort. So this is something that you want to be thinking about ahead of time. Who are some good players in the field that you want to be a part of your grant proposal? And how can you start building those partnerships and relationships with them early on? Another thing to note with collaborations is to be open. We know that this can be really challenging. Your research, your projects, those could be your babies, and it's hard to share those with others. But when people collaborate, it creates a new energy and new ideas flow that can really positively impact your project. So finding collaborators and partners, where do you find people to work on these grant projects with you? Utilize your network. So meet people through other people. Leverage those relationships and partnerships that you already have. 
professional associations and organizations or community groups can be another great way to connect with people who are doing similar work and you can link up for a grant proposal attend conferences. We have built so many great connections through networking at um, Encura, which is our university research administrators conference. Um, I just went to a conference in Seattle for the Society of Research Administrators and made some great new connections there. Additionally, don't discount water cooler talk. So we can't tell you how many collaborations have come out of just an impromptu conversation in the hallway. And finally, leverage social media. So Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, these are all great platforms to connect with other professionals that might not be in your regional vicinity, um, but nationally as well. So now that we've gone over some of the general basics of proposal development, we will move on to discussing preparing for and writing your grant proposal right after this break. So now we are going to get into some of the details and logistics of preparing for your proposal. So step zero when it comes to preparing to write your grant proposal is to read the solicitation. So (laughs) literally first thing before you touch anything else, you need to read the solicitation. So this could be called a variety of things. It might be called an RFP, a request for proposals, an RFA, a request for applications. There's a ton of other jargony names. CFA. Yeah call for action, a NOFO, which we all learned. I don't like the NOFO Notice of funding opportunity. Um, There's some other weird acronyms that they keep throwing out there. Wish we could just stick to RFP, you know, keeps it clean and simple. But anyways, this solicitation is really going to be your guidebook for submitting your grant application. It is going to have all of the important information that you need for successful submission. Um, This includes page limits, formatting requirements, key phrases that you need to include, eligibility, logistics such as submission details or limited submission information. So when you're reading through this solicitation, do not just skim and look for these high points that I just mentioned. You need to read the whole thing. And once you've read it through and highlighted, go back and read again and have a friend read it as well. Um, We have been doing this work for years and we still miss things in these solicitation documents because they are very robust and complex and they do use a lot of jargony language. So it is important to read it and read it again yeah and then don't think that just because say you've maybe applied to this funder at some earlier point in time don't think that just because you read that rfp or cfa or whatever they call it that it's going to be the the same for this one i know i'm going to use nsf for an example just because that's the one that i've worked with the most when they update different funding lines and RFPs, sometimes they will add new things and change new things. And typically, NSF is really good about putting a little notation at the top that says, like, this changed from the last iteration of this, but still read through it. We cannot emphasize that enough. Read through it a bunch. Yes. And then read it again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So when you're reading through the solicitation, though, there are some key pieces that you want to highlight and look out for. So eligibility criteria, Krista already mentioned this, but this is a really key piece. Um, We can't tell you how many times we have found an amazing funding opportunity and we get so excited and we're like, oh, we have somebody in mind that this fits perfectly for. And then we find that they 
only fund projects in Georgia or something like that. So definitely start there and make sure you are eligible in the first place to even apply. Um, Submission due date, that's another critical piece. Funding period, so is this grant going to fund you for one year, five years, 10 years? That is also critical to know as you are developing your proposal. Budget range and budget guidelines, program narrative guidelines, so what do you need to include in the actual kind of essay narrative piece of your proposal, and then logistics such as page limits, font type, and size. Um, Some other things to think about as you're reading through the solicitation and making a decision around whether you're going to apply. Um, Really take time to think about if you have time to complete the proposal by the deadline. So we (laughs) have had plenty of faculty that have come to us with an amazing grant proposal that fits their work so well, and we have two weeks to get it in, and it's a 20-page narrative. Um, So please know that funding cycles, they will come around again. We don't want anybody staying up until 2 a.m. to get a grant proposal in. That is not the We're trying to change the culture. Yeah, that is not the culture we're trying to foster here. So (laughs) Um, another thing to think about is does this funding opportunity truly fit your project? So this is a balance that we constantly have to strike between shifting and tweaking your project and proposal to fit a funder's guidelines, but also staying true to the work and the research that you want to do. So this is a line that we we tow carefully, um, but it's something to keep in mind to make sure that the funding opportunity is truly honoring the work that you want to do. And finally, is the size of the award and the time frame realistic for your project? Again, if you are thinking about a long-term project, you know this is going to take five years to build partnerships and execute and implement the grant, and you find some funding opportunity that seems great, but it's just for one year, it's probably not going to be a great fit. Okay, so you've figured out all of your stuff surrounding your proposal, you've read the RFP, CFA, NOFO, there's some other acronyms out there. So your next piece is going to contact your grant administrator as soon as you decide to go for a grant. Uh, Typically the PI or the principal investigator is responsible for this notification. You have to contact them as soon as you know because there often are processes in place that have been put in place by your organization for a reason that they need to go through to make sure that you're eligible, that the uh, right people within your organization know that this is happening. You don't want to spring this kind of information on them at the very last minute. And also so that they can start running certain things. Um, I've brought up Jody, our person who does budget here at um, CCH. She, for example, needs to know ahead of time because she's also working with other people. So she needs to be able to fit your stuff in to be able to go into the system Put it in early. Um, we're going to talk about that a lot. Make sure that you are doing stuff early. Throughout this whole process, communication is key. Emma talked about collaboration. If you know early, you can start thinking about who you might want to be on your project team. Also remember that people who are on your project team also have other stuff going on in their lives. So you have to make sure that you're trying to account for the amount of time that it's going to take to get items from people. Make sure that they have the capacity to not only help with this grant application, but also help with the project in the future should it be funded. Yep, we're going to keep saying it, but start early, start early, start early. For your grant administrator's sake, as well as yours, start as early as possible. Yep. If you get nothing else from this episode, (laughs) take that away. Um, I mentioned budget. 
like I said, Jody uh, does our budgets. She needs time to be able to route those budgets. Your budget needs to be routed days before the actual proposal deadline. And I'm going to say this again later, but go in expecting that something's going to go wrong. You're yep. dealing with technology. Something might go wrong. Emma talked about your solicitation having information about certain fonts and formatting stuff. There are some systems that if it's not right and it's not the way that they want it to be, it will kick your thing out and you're going to have to start over. You want to kind of put in some buffer time ahead of time. And sometimes they may say that you have a wide range of different font sizes that you can use and then there's only actually one that works. So shout out NSF. (laughs) Yeah, we love you, NSF. Um, Thank you for funding our project. You still got a little bit of kinks that need to be worked out on that one. And then budget justification along with your budget. That is something that needs to be written up. Um, We will have a whole episode on budget and budget justification. But you want to make sure that you are working these things in ahead of time. And then you want to create a checklist. So as we mentioned, read your solicitation, read it again, read it again. Go in and create a checklist. What are the requirements that this funder is looking for. You wanna go in line by line. Within the Impact Accelerator, we have students or staff that go through line by line and figure out what is needed. Just because something says that within the narrative, we want this certain thing, you gotta make sure that you're getting each and every piece because funders are going, they have a specific criteria that they are working off of. And if you are missing a piece that is necessary, you've just kind of knocked yourself out of the running for that award. So you wanna make sure that you are writing down what are all of the requirements I need from all of the section pieces, all of the specific wording, um, all of the formatting, figure out who's gonna be writing the sections, Um, how many sections are already written don't reinvent the wheel if you don't have to if you already have some pieces that fit with that project that have been written you can still use those kind of reword it a little bit so that you're not just packaging the same thing over and over again but if you can save yourself time in an easy and effective way do it yeah we are big fans of work smarter not harder so you probably already have language written somewhere use it make your life easier Yes. Speaking of language, I'm going to throw this in. I'm a big fan of identifying what language the funder is using in your solicitation and then use that language in your grant proposal because it shows the funder that you actually read it. Yep. It's a Um, good one. It's the same as like getting keywords from the job application and putting it in your cover letter. Yes. Pro tip. And then Does your project team need to meet regularly in order to make sure that the proposal is getting written, things are getting done on time, and in a timely manner if you need to make adjustments as you're going through? Think about your meeting schedule. And then also think about what do you need from other people? Most funding applications, you're going to need CVs. Typically, that's a shortened CV, so you're probably going to need to look at everyone's CV, especially if it's an academic one. Those things are like, some people's are like 15 pages long. Funders don't want to see that. Um, I know NSF is like three pages each. So build in time to kind of um, shorten that CV and then make it relevant to your project. Some are going to want resumes. You're going to need to get bios or bio sketches from people. This is 
the process is kind of changing a little bit. So uh, federal funders now are using ScienceCV, which is an online system, which was going to basically house your bio sketch so that you're not having to put one together for each thing. But there's also a startup process. So you have to go in and actually build that bio sketch and CV within ScienceCV. So you need to make sure that the people who are on your team have that already done because I haven't done mine yet, but I've heard it's a process. Yeah. A really long process. Not super user friendly, but we are hopeful that it's going to make our lives easier in the end, but there's definitely going to be a learning curve with getting it set up. So just again, start early. Start early, please. And then things like letters of support. If you were trying to get a letter of support from someone who is outside your organization or even someone in your organization, it's going to take time. Like, for example, we work at a university. If we're trying to get a letter of support from the provost, he's kind of busy. And so we have to build in time to make sure that we have enough time to get it to him, buffer time for the fact that he might be busy doing something else and can't immediately read it and sign it and then time to get it back to make sure if there's any questions on that uh, letter of support that we have time to get back to him uh, to let him know and fix those things so you want to build in a lot of time once again start early and with letters of support it's also sometimes hard to know what the process of approval is going to be if you do have collaborations with other organizations we have some partners um, that letters of support have to go through a number of approval processes so it takes much longer than our estimate even at uc so it's just something to keep in mind and once again as early as you can start early i should just i should just call the start early you need to have like a like a button that says start early on like the soundboard or something we have a soundboard i just didn't build it in okay we need a start early button (laughs) that'll be the second half of season one yeah and then so some typical sections that will be required in our proposal once again we're going to have specific episodes dedicated to these and this is not an exhaustive list but this is kind of generally some things that you want to think about your abstract project summary if you are familiar with academic journal articles there's an abstract very shortened summary of what this project does you're going to have to write one of those Um, it's the requirements are going to be kind of um, different for each funder so make sure that you're paying attention to that Your biggest piece of the grant proposal, your narrative, sometimes called the project description. This is where you detail your background, what has already been done in this realm, what are the gaps that I'm identifying, what is my project going to bring to this, and then lay out what is your plan for the project. Things like a data management plan, how are you going to gather the data? Um, Typically, this is largely about how you are going to manage the data. So how are you going to keep it safe? Where is it going to be stored? Who's going to have access? When is it going to be destroyed? What are your um, organization policies about how long you have to keep data for? Um, Sometimes there is a postdoctoral mentoring plan. So if you plan to have a postdoc on your project team, how do you plan to mentor them during the life cycle of that grant? And then, like I mentioned previously, you're going to need resumes or CVs from all your PIs and co-PIs, um, sometimes also people who are considered senior personnel. There's That's a whole other thing, who is called what and placed where and what their title is. But 
make sure to read your solicitation to figure out who you need documents from. Um, and then there are a, are a bunch of other possibilities of stuff that you would need. Um, sustainability plan. Uh, I know, I think it was NSF maybe who now requires if you're not doing, um, if part of your project is going to be taking place off of your specific campus site or whatever, that you have to have a documentation that says how you are going to create an inclusive kind of workplace and make sure that people who are in your project that aren't on your site are safe. So there's a lot of different things. This is why we keep saying start early and read your solicitation. So now that you've prepared, you've done the front end work, it's time to actually start writing the proposal, the scary part. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, spooky. <laughs> So now we are going to jump into writing the proposal. So first thing to do is go back to that checklist that Krista mentioned earlier. So hopefully you have already laid out everything that needs to be part of the proposal as well as the specific requirements that need to be written into the narrative and you're going to follow the plan that you laid out in that checklist. Tell the story of your project. So yes, it's important to hit all those logistical requirements that the solicitation asks for, but definitely don't lose sight of weaving in the larger story and narrative of your project and research. Readers and reviewers need to feel like a sense of urgency and the passion for your project and your research. Again, start with those requirements and the critical pieces of your project that are required by the funder. Um, so that might look like the funder including selection criteria or a scoring criteria that they will be judging your grant proposal on, you can use that to determine the flow of your narrative. So that scoring criteria is going to have different sections and headers and descriptions within each. So place your items in an outline aligned with those selection criteria and scoring criteria to help reviewers easily find those items and just flow through quickly and score your proposals. It makes their life easier, which hopefully means they like your proposal more and they're more likely to fund it, which is what we want. Assume that reviewers know nothing of your project. So more and more we're seeing review panels become more interdisciplinary. Um, so be very careful with jargon. If you're using any acronyms, please define them um, first before you start using them throughout the rest of your proposal. And define research concepts or methodology that may be specific to your field. Yeah, just because you know what you're talking about doesn't mean everybody does. And yeah. you don't want to make it difficult for reviewers to figure out what your project is and what you're planning on doing just because you are familiar with the terminology. So make it as easy for the reviewers as possible. Absolutely. You don't want reviewers like Googling some oh, specific gosh, no. research term as they're reading your grant proposal. <laughs> Um, also, it's a really good idea to use tables, graphs, and figures to break up your text. Um, just reading 15 pages of a wall of text is not fun for anybody, reviewers included. Um, so we have gotten really great feedback when we have included um, visuals and graphics before. And tap into any marketing and graphic design resources that you may have at your organization for those. 
Okay, so you have written your proposal. Now you need to leave yourself time to edit and proofread the proposal. So you're going to want to give yourself some time to step away from the proposal, give your brain a break before you come back and edit it. Um, Definitely have at least one person, preferably more, read over your materials and proofread for you. Um, It's always good to just have an outside perspective because I know personally I recently – wrote my first grant proposal on behalf of a center that I work with within CCH and I definitely experienced firsthand the bubble that you get into when you're writing your grant proposal and I just got to a point where I was like I cannot look at this anymore it's not going to be productive I need other people to look at it and then Krista helped me thanks Krista it was <laughs> great it was written really great oh thank you so much <laughs> And finally, um, mock score your proposal whenever you can. Um, this is something that a service. This is a service that we offer to faculty, and we love to do. So, for funders that do provide that scoring criteria or a rubric, um, you're going to put put that side by side with your draft and go through and score your proposal as if you were a reviewer. Um, so it can just give you a really good idea of what the reviewers are going to look for as they read through, and you want to make sure everything flows and aligns well with that rubric. And if you're going to be at the Ancura PRA conference in, when is that? March. March of 2024, we will actually be presenting on mock scoring and we can walk you through how to do it. Yeah, we're going to do a little sample one, do some practice. It's going to be fun. It's super fun. It is. We love it. All right, so you've written your proposal, you've edited and proofread, you've maybe mock scored. So now it is time to finalize your proposal. Yay, we're almost there. Um, So finalize your proposal materials and documents. If you are using a file management system, here we use OneDrive, um, you're going to want to create a folder specifically for those finalized ready to submit documents. A lot of times you're going to have to convert them into PDF form so you don't have to go searching for them. You don't want them mixed up within all the drafts and run the risk of attaching a drafted version to your final documents. So make sure you're keeping those organized as you finalize materials. Um, Obtain any organizational approvals needed. So as Krista has been mentioning, you're going to be closely in contact with your grant administrator at this um, phase of the proposal to make sure everybody has signed off and it's gone through the appropriate um, processes within your organization. And again, submit your proposal to the sponsor well ahead of the deadline if you can. We absolutely do not want to be submitting at 4.50 p.m. for a 5 p.m. deadline. (laughs) Um, Some organizations do have certain policies about when they need documents and proposals to be submitted. Um, Here in CCH, we do try to have a five-day turnaround for our grant administrator before the actual proposal deadline just to make sure we have plenty of time to get everything uploaded correctly. And again, as Krista said earlier, just go in expecting that something is going to go wrong. It probably will. That's okay. That's why we leave ourselves plenty of time to fix those last minute, last minute formatting or upload errors that inevitably pop up. That's why we what? Say St- it with me. Start, Start early. early. Start so early. Please, once again, save yourself a headache, your project team a headache, your grant administrator a headache. Start early. So in summary, grants help to fund our ideas and projects and can be key ways of making formative change. So if you have an idea, if you have a project, go out 
maybe search for a few grants that could help you kind of change the world. Um, read the solicitation. Read it so many times. You're going to get sick of it, but it's going to be your saving grace. Read the solicitation. I also just remember, if you... I'm, I'm using NSF a lot because that's what I've worked with so much, but sometimes you may have your solicitation that might reference some other document with NSF. It's the PAPPG. You might have to go reference that also. So make sure you're reading solicitation, figure out what you need early. Um, next, notify your grant administrator as soon as possible. Get everyone on board as soon as possible to save yourself headaches in the long run. And then as always, finalize and submit before the deadline. Something might go wrong. Give yourself time. You don't want to be panicking like Emma said at 4.50 and it's due at five o'clock and something went wrong. The system kicked out your proposal because the spacing was incorrect or it said Times New Roman 12, but it's actually Times New Roman 11. And if you didn't get we that, love you, it's NSF. your fault. <laughs> <laughs> Not naming names, yeah, but... Also, if you are submitting an NSF proposal, it's Times New Roman 11, and it's single space, saving you a headache now. Start early. There you go. Thank you for listening to this episode on Grants 101. This is the start of our series, Across the Fundingverse. Uh, this has been Emma and Krista for How to Get Funded Without Really Trying. We hope you join us for our next episode where we'll be talking about the magic behind the impact accelerator. And you will finally get to meet Danny, who we, who Clay and I Danny. yelled about in the first episode <laughs> and did not introduce him. But you'll finally get to meet him. So before we go, we do want to mention we finally have social media. So be Ooh. sure to follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, where we will be sharing more tips and tricks for grant management and some of the exciting things we're doing here at the Impact Accelerator. Um, I think basically all of our stuff is UC Impact Accelerator. So there you go. I When I was searching for it, I looked up Impact Accelerator and there's some other stuff. So it's UC Impact Accelerator. And then lastly, as always, we like to give a shout out to Joey for the music you heard during this episode and all of our episodes. And finally, the Impact Accelerator for their continued support of this project. Also, while you're thinking about prepping and writing that grant proposal, don't forget to go fund yourself. Okay, bye. Bye.